1: Hello everybody, welcome to Big 12 Football and Beyond for this Thursday, April 30th as yes, we're headed towards May 1st, got the draft in a rearview mirror and we're going to break down the NFL draft with a look at how the Big 12 fared, where the league is as a whole. Uh, take a look at each school, look at each player that was drafted in the league when to get into all that. Got some transfer news, a little recruiting news. Take a look at uh, two, three players uh, around the league that's coming back towards next year, as well as some guys that um, sign as undrafted free agents within the league. We're going to get into that. But a reminder that you can get even more detailed information and analysis over at LandryFootball.com as we're breaking down football each and every day. And the draft is behind us. That occupies a lot of our time leading up to that. But look, we have got so much stuff going on now with a look ahead towards 2021 draft, initial checklist, beginning of our recruiting boards. We're going to break that down state by state for you and evaluate players, and you're going to be better prepared to know truly who they are the best players in the country on the recruiting circuit for the class of 2021. Uh, we're gonna take a look at uh, obviously the rosters around the country. You know, we're gonna go school by school. We're we're gonna take a look at um how the rosters have looked and look a little bit of their recruiting classes in recent years, uh and uh, get get a complete look see on how things as a program have developed and um so you wanna keep it on LandryFootball.com. If you're not yet a member, it's a great time to take advantage of of our scouting season offer which is still in effect and what it'll do it'll get you a better understanding of how these college rosters not only the big 12 but around the country are shaping up uh and you know the big thing that we try to do is we always say that we follow and study players coming out of high school into college study them through college then the transition from college to the NFL and then studying them in the NFL. So, you know, this gives you a perspective that others really don't have. Um, Also, from being a college football coach, a recruiting coordinator, being an NFL coach, an NFL scout, an NFL scouting director, uh, you get a true feel for personnel on a different level. And doing work right now with college programs and NFL teams Studying the personnel, studying the coaching. And it's the other thing we're gonna to do too. Uh, rank coaching prospects around the country and keep you up to date on all of that. So it's one stop shopping football. It gives you a unique perspective, and that's what we try to do over at Landry Football. So check it out today, less than five dollars a month. So uh take advantage of it. Um wanna thank our great friends at four oh one K Generation. They are Responsible for bringing you this podcast. They give us the opportunity to convene with you to talk college football each and every day. Focusing on recapping a different conference, a week's uh, worth of information um, in each conference. But talking as we're going to do today, and we do a lot of days when there's um, uh, pertinent news, talk about nationally at the top. And then, of course, we talk pro football each and every day over on the Pro Football Show. So a double dose, and they are bringing it to you. Um, Great folks at 401k Generation that are the experts in money management, investment inquiries. So absolutely uh, the folks to check into to make sure that you're meeting your financial goals, that you're getting your financial checkup that's so important at all times, but particularly in today's current environment. They're licensed in all 50 states. Uh, Give a no-obligation phone call or text to 1-866-998-5879. Want to learn a little bit more about them? You can go to their website. You can find it over at LandryFootball.com. Look at 401k Generation. Click on it and um, you can learn more about it, and actually even reach out to them through there if you like, and tell them that we sent you, uh, as uh, they'll take really good care of you. Make sure that you're getting this podcast each and every day to your website, uh, to, to your to your um, to your phone each and every day by signing up for Landry Football's conference call. Um, all you got to do is sign up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. and folks, if we can help you promote. Something you've got going on, your business, your brand, we can absolutely do that. All you got to do is reach out, LandryFootball.com, contact Chris, and we will get it done for you. It's also where you can send a question that uh, you, if you want me to address on air, I will be happy to do so. Well, there was news that we've been talking about for a while. It's been a little bit silent until it came out. Dealing with the draft and everything, the NCAA Board of Governors has passed a rule which is going to allow student athletes to earn money from third-party endorsements. So it's going to take a little time to put together, and I think we're getting we're opening up a Pandora's box. And the one thing that always concerns me is any time you get NCAA personnel and people that are involved in college athletics uh, involved in organizing things it's going to be a big time cluster because there is no organization to speak of that ever works, so it's going to be a mess now. the framework's going to have to come in the official legislation is going to be crafted over the coming months and then voted on uh coming in january um twenty twenty one end of january twenty twenty one so as you would expect, there are a number of restrictions and stipulations that come with the uh loosening of the NIL, name, image, and likeness regulations. While athletes are going to be able to earn money from endorsement opportunities and things such as autograph sessions, uh, it's still a no-go to include school or conference logos, trademarks, etc. So a signed picture of a player may just be uh, a player in something that vaguely appears to be a hat of the school or the shirt of a school. Um, Schools themselves will understandably not be allowed to pay players, of course. And, of course, uh, it's going to be the the long-shuttered NCAA video game. um, Group licensing remain off the table. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. It is not supposed to affect recruiting. Uh, Wink, wink. Uh, It is, of course, going to affect recruiting because what you can have – is boosters that operate a business, a car dealership, what have you, be able to convince a player that there's really good opportunity to come here and get a some money for your marketing. Now, there's going to be, I can tell you from what I understand, uh, and this is understandable, that there will be a heavy emphasis on making sure that The value of an appearance is market rate. So if a player were to go and spend an hour signing a few autographs, shaking a few hands, shaking a few hands may be very dangerous in this current environment, but uh, spending time speaking to folks, doing whatever, and you get $10,000 for it, that's higher than the market rate and quote-unquote won't be allowed. How are you going to control it? Uh, It's going to have to be all documented. What type of uh, enforcement they're going to have, uh, crew they're going to have to make sure that it's done on the up and up. Good luck trying to figure that out. As we know, that is a big issue right now and a real flaw right now for the NCAA. So this is um, interesting times. Because we've got this going. We do know that there's, to some degree, well, there already has been with the loss of the NCAA tournament, a loss of funds. I don't think there's any doubt that even in let's hope and pray that we get a football season started on time and with all the games and all the opportunities, but there is a strong likelihood that there's going to be loss of income, loss of revenue, maybe to a significant degree, that would tremendously hurt sports on campus, other sports on campus. Uh, It could completely change. And one thing I've been talking about for years that probably needs to get done may end up happening now, sports-specific conferences to where if you're – in the state of Louisiana, you know, instead of you know playing volleyball or gymnastics for a conference championship, play in the state. You know, um, you know that that in a in a big conference may be an issue. Something that I you know I I, I don't know if long term they would look at that, but maybe short term, how do you deal with it? So you don't have a traditional. You know, SEC championship golf team or a tennis team. <clears throat> maybe you play regionally. You get on a bus. Um, I, I don't know that we're going to see anything so drastic as that permanently. But I think short term it might be, look, this is how you're going to have to compete. For a certain period of time, you may have to do that. And at smaller programs, you may not even have a program to compete with for a few years and then maybe bring it back with certainly uh, relaxing of restrictions by the NCAA, which is going to have to be understood, because if you can't afford it, you're going to have some problems. Uh, That may lead to some restructuring. Could this possibly uh, increase the rapidity of separation between Power Five and Group of Five? Could it further separate Power Five and Group of Five to make that a realization? All things that we're gonna watch, not gonna happen like in one meeting, one decision. Usually these things happen over time. This is something that time has stood still in terms of what's happened in our country, having dramatic effect on everybody. Now the like anybody else, the rich guy that's worth three billion dollars that's now worth You know, one and a half to two billion. You know, people may say, cry me a river. Yeah, he's still worth one and a half, two billion. He lost a billion dollars. It's a lot of money. He had a lot. He lost a lot. Maybe he can make it back. He's not worth what he was before. Obviously, more concerning is the folks that are trying to figure out how to feed their families, whether they're going to have a job, whether they're going to have a business to go back to, forget about a job that the job is gone because the business is gone because the economy is so bad. You've got all of that taking place. Well, that's having an effect at the college level, at the major college level. There are certain programs that can withstand certain things better than others, but everybody's affected to some degree. And it'll be interesting to see. Support staffs. Um, um, you know, sports at uh, at the that the non-revenue level are going to have to be looked at, looked at, uh, you know, harshly in terms of keeping their program or figuring out a way to recoup that money because that once that money is gone, that things will go back and they'll be able to make money, but the the opportunity for, you know, you you. The schools will never get the money back lost from the NCAA tournament in March. Just not going to happen. And if you lose games or you lose something this football season, that's not money that you're going that particular money is not going to be able to be recouped. Going forward, you can get back on track to what you used to be, but that's money still lost. Opportunity still lost. Not an opportunity lost, but an opportunity taken away from you because of an insidious virus. Um, it is something that's real. It's something that um, is going to be felt and going to be felt for a long time. I have said short-term, we got a real problem. I don't know that this doesn't turn into a long-term problem and a long-term look at restructuring, um, looking at things at a different level, Uh, Figuring out a way to do things that are much more economically sound. I think the money has been flowing. I think it's great, particularly in my sport of football, where you can create more opportunities and jobs in football at the college level. I think that's all great. I think we need to be smart about, are we being maybe too greedy are we getting to the point now where it's you may have to tighten the reins on that? Here's the other thing. The big fat cat booster that is putting in a lot of money into your program, are they going to have or going to want to spend that excess money with your program now? I mean, you think folks in the oil business are overly excited about buying out a football coach or paying extra money? Well, some might be. But you know what? Some may say, hey, the hell with that. I got bigger problems. I may be a big fan of my university, but whether I'm in oil or whatever, if they start seeing their portfolios go down, they're not thinking in terms of committing the same amount of money. So getting out of a hole and getting out of a situation, I think it's going to have a tremendous effect. So on to some other news, some national recruiting news. Georgia looks like in a really good tight end, Brock Bowers. um, Definitely looks the favorite there. I know Penn State, Notre Dame, Cal, and Oregon are all uh, in it for the 6'4", 205-pound tight end that's really growing from Napa, California. Top 100 overall prospect, but uh, Georgia's kind of emerged as a favorite for him. We'll keep you up to date, of course, as we do each and every day in our – College football notebook loaded with recruiting information. Get into some news around the Big Twelve this past week. Former Michigan Redshirt junior wide receiver Tariq Black is transferred to Texas as a grad. That means he can play immediately. Um interesting free agent signing there for Texas. Former four star recruit flashed early at Michigan. I thought he was headed to a really good career, had multiple foot injuries. Wrecked his freshman and sophomore seasons in 19. He had a pretty good line and pretty good production. Uh, physical, 6'3", 215. So he's he's maybe the free agent signing that can step into the Devin DuVernay and Colin Johnson r- uh, role here. We'll see how that plays out. And then on the other side, former Texas redshirt senior offensive lineman J.P. Uridis is transferred to Texas State as a graduate, again, 6'7, 300 pounder, uh, played mostly in special teams with the Horns, can play, uh, got one year of eligibility, leaving with a degree. But he's off to Texas State. Some recruiting news around the conference Baylor receiving a verbal from three star quarterback Kyron Drones uh, was able to uh, get a pledge from him just nine days after initially offering the kid from Pearland Texas just right outside of Houston the suburb of Houston Georgia Tech Auburn Vanderbilt were among the other schools in it for the signal caller uh, really good job by Dave Aranda and his staff um you know he's he's posted really big time numbers uh as a junior in 18 64 total touchdowns 46 as a passer 18 as a runner runner uh, he's got a lot of ability and, um, you know, a dual threat guy, one of the top 20 in this class. So good get for the Baylor Bears. And uncommitted four-star quarterback Caden Salter said he's going to announce his college choice on May 10th. So that's coming up. That's Saturdays, uh, let's see, Thursdays, the 7th, the uh, 8th. So that's going to be on a Sunday. <coughs> we'll have that for you on the May 11th show, and we'll have it on LandryFootball.com. One of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the country, long considered a Baylor favorite. Tennessee's gotten into it, and they've been as hot as anybody of late um, in recent commitments, and they're in their driver's seat for this 6'1", 185-pound quarterback. Oklahoma State's received a verbal commitment from three-star safety Ty Williams. Um, Good local get for Oklahoma State, 6'1", 186-pound safety. Plays at Muskogee High School, Um, uh, Nebraska, Colorado, Georgia Tech, or the other programs uh, that were after him—a top 50 safety nationally. Excuse me, um, nationally and the 10 best uh, safety. um, uh, You know, uh, one of the best uh, safeties uh, in the country, um, and certainly in the region, and uh, two new commitments that they've got here recently. So it's been a pretty solid week for the folks from Stillwater. And Texas getting a verbal from three-star tight end, Landon King, six-five-two-ten, A lot of growth room there down to Texas, Texas A&M. But the Long Longhorns get it for the um, uh, the youngster from Humble, Texas. Some news around uh, the league. Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma head coach, says that redshirt wide receiver Theo Howard's rehab from a torn Achilles has gone great. Um, he tours Achilles during a, a winter workout. Expectation is that the former Bruin workout, transferred over in January, is going to be ready to go this upcoming season barring a setback. Uh, he looks to finish off his career in a solid fashion, and um, he was sidelined for the whole UCLA 19 campaign due to hand wrist injuries. Um, Oklahoma sophomore wide receiver Jadon Hazelwood suffered a torn ACL in a workout. Um, Five-star recruit, caught 19 passes, 272 yards with a a touchdown for the Sooners in 19. Was expected to be a much bigger part of the offense. Uh, Whether or not uh, he'll be able to play this fall is up for debate. Tough, tough uh, to lose a guy uh, at any time, but in a workout like this, uh, always uh, hits you, hit you hard. The rehab time's just not there. Uh, TCU junior wide receiver to Valence Hunt um, is the guy to look out for this year. Jalen Rager, maybe a surprise by some to go as high as he did in the first round, is a really good-looking player. He's been very explosive for them, put up really good numbers, He's bigger than, than Rager, 6'3", 200. Uh, he's got some big shoes to fill. Not as fast, but a guy that uh, I, I suggest you watch and uh, play close attention to um, this upcoming year. Uh, the Cowboys did sign TCU running back, Shilwe uh the fullback um, running back. He's got size-strength combination and uh, played well in the bowl game in eighteen. Uphill battle to make this roster, but i um, curious to see. He's going to have to ball out on special teams, no doubt. Uh, Baylor's Grayson Arnold, corner signed with the Eagles. Productive player for the Baylor Bears for all four years, 5'9", 186. Um, got uh, really good intangibles, good uh, size and speed shortcomings really hurt him there. Uh, Oklahoma cornerback Pernell Motley signed with the Bucks, Um didn't get invited to the Combine, 6 feet, 180-pounder. Um, graded out fairly well, and I like uh, at least him getting a chance there. Um, outside shot, maybe getting on the developmental squad. We'll see how well he does. Speaking of the draft, Big 12, and again, remember, Big 12's got 10 teams. 21, they would rank 5th. They would rank behind the ACC and the Pac-12 and certainly behind the Big Ten and the SEC. So they were um, fifth among the Power Five. Uh, if you look at 21 versus 27 with the ACC, one less school. <clears throat> You've got um, 32 with the Pac-12. Again, um, excuse me, two less schools. Um, and so that that has an effect. But let's take a look at kind of, uh, you know, Baylor had four, good Baylor class, like Mims and thought Lynch and, and Roy were really good values. We're going to get into more and more of the picks. Kansas with the tackle, Adenji, Oklahoma, four of them, two first-rounders. Uh, Texas, we'll get into where they are, but you know getting two third-rounders and the fifth-rounders is not good enough. Like TC, TCU's good job. I mean, two first-rounders. Second rounder, a third rounder. Getting it done with five at TCU, they just develop very, very well. Texas Tech getting a surprise first rounder. Uh, West Virginia, and, you know, two overall. West Virginia getting two. So 21 total. So you've got three schools within the league that did not have a player drafted. So... When you look at it overall, I guess the thing that jumps out at me is first of all, let's start at the top with Oklahoma. And in Iowa, let's see, it was Iowa State, Kansas State, um, and yeah, believe it or not, Oklahoma State. Nobody drafted. So let's take a look at each of, the, each of the programs. Oklahoma, um, you know, they've done a nice job, and certainly with one offensive player, one defensive player, you look at them with four, it's still not what Oklahoma's capable of. Um, to have an expectation for them to be on a par with uh, an Alabama or uh, Clemson may be a little bit unfair But Oklahoma should have, you know, seven, eight players drafted every year and and probably should have, um, you know, four of them in the top three rounds. Well, they did have four in the top three rounds, but they didn't have the overall depth to have the remaining guys. So there's probably four or five guys less. And and listen, on a a year-to-year basis, it'll fluctuate. It's been the best program. Inside the league, no doubt, it's had you know Heisman Trophy winners and high picks, and that's great at quarterback. But we need to see more defensive players. You know, Neville Gallimore is a really good player. Kenneth Murray is a really good player. We need to see that on a regular basis. That's that needs to happen. And if it happens, oh by wonder, Oklahoma is going to maybe be a bigger factor once they make the playoffs if they do win the league. So, they're the ones that are doing the best job in terms of um, more impact talent, but they're not doing as good as they're capable of. Um, Texas, though, is continues to be a big disappointment. Three players, only two third-rounders. They're not doing a good enough job in recruiting. They're not recruiting at an elite level. They're recruiting at a Good level at an upper Big 12 level, but not an elite level. And that's just not good enough. And their play reflects it. Good program, maybe improving to some degree. Still got a long way to go. And so what does that come to? It comes to evaluating and recruiting. It it comes to the ability to get them on campus. And then I also think developing is a big part of it. Not a lot of impact. You know, Baylor, all things considered, where that program was and what they had to rebuild, Matt Rule did a really good job. I think going forward, that future looks good. Looks like Dave's recruiting well. I know they will develop well. I think things are, are pretty good. Kansas doesn't have great expectations for a lot of talent, but they have put some really good players in the league over the years. We'll see if they can get better numbers. If less can recruit better. Um, but there's limitations there. No doubt. TCU is a program that I look and say they get a lot out of what they have. They develop the hell out of players. Blacklock and Cladney and Rager. You're talking about three of the top four players in the draft, three of the top 40 players taken from TCU. That's getting it done. And then a really, in Niang, a a good third-round value, Um, five players total, that's a pretty good job. That's quality, that's development. They don't get a lot of elite guys, but they develop the hell out of who they do have. Texas Tech, um, certainly I think Matt Wells can develop it into a developmental program along the lines of maybe what done at Iowa State. Now, we all know that the job that's been done at Iowa State by Matt Campbell, and we've had a couple of guys, you know, in the past, have an impact last year in particular. um, Iowa State is nobody this year. Texas Tech's got a chance to, to be a developmental program. Really great for them to get Jordan Brooks and then Broderick Washington in the fifth round. They're capable of putting in a few every year, but it's a developmental program. West Virginia. You know, West Virginia has always been a place that's had to be creative in recruiting. They have to go south more than, I mean, they're right there. Scott's skipping a jump from Pittsburgh. And they don't really recruit very well in that area as well as you might think they could. They don't. And they have to go a lot in the south, and they have to develop well. I do think there's signs that they can begin to develop players. Uh, recruiting elite players, though, is going to still be a challenge. Uh, Kansas State, you can see that's going to be a developmental program. I think you'll see players drafted. What you're seeing on this draft class, which had nobody drafted, is a byproduct of you know the development hadn't been quite as good into the latter stages, and certainly the recruiting hasn't under Bill Snyder. Oklahoma State, we know they have put some good players in the league. It was a little bit of a down cycle for them. They're capable of doing better. And Iowa State, there's nothing wrong with that program. They're maximizing things. And to expect things, expect them to have, you know, five players drafted every year is not realistic. Um, But they'll they'll be in and out. But I I would can say Oklahoma's capable of recruiting and developing and producing on a level – of an Ohio State, a Clemson, an Alabama, and they're not. If they can get at least close to that, if, then, you know, that's getting it done. Texas is, is as capable as Oklahoma is, and they're not doing it. Uh, so those those are two that are concerning, and I would put them kind of in the category of Miami and Florida State. Um, and I think both Oklahoma and Texas have even even greater history long-term, and resources to do better than both those programs. But both of those programs have underachieved, and I think Oklahoma and Texas has as well. Let's take a look at who went where. Clay Johnson with the Rams in the seventh round. Long shot to make the team. I like James Lynch in the fourth-round value for the Vikings. He can be in their rotation. Love the red zone threat of Denzel Mims in the second round for the Jets. Uh, and I do think Bravian Roy has an outside shot to be on the developmental squad for the Panthers. Uh, Six-round value was pretty good. I do like Akeem Adenjai with the with Kansas, and I love the value, sixth round with the Bengals. He's got a shot, and the very least, being on the developmental squad. I, I will absolutely jump on the table for him somewhere else if for some reason he doesn't make it. I think he's got some upside there. Oklahoma's prospects, well, I love – Um, C.D. Lamb and the value and what he can bring to the Cowboys. I I think Neville Neville Gallimore is outstanding as well. Jalen Hurts was really interesting, wasn't he, going in the second round. They've got, obviously, a plan for him in Philly. And then Kenneth Murray with the Chargers. All four of those guys are rock solid. Again, we're the the mid-round guys that could fill out the roster. Um, That's that's maybe uh, an area. The top Level, top four players, got to give it to them. That's that's a good, you know, quartet of players that Oklahoma got in. Uh, you just think their numbers should be, again, about seven or eight uh, out of um, most years. Texas, again, I think Jones, I think Devin DuVernay is good value. Baltimore loves them, and I think it's a good fit. Colin Johnson in the fifth round, good value there. Brandon Jones, quite frankly, a little bit high there for Miami at three. But, again, three players, nobody in the first two rounds, Texas, Texas, Texas. That's, that's not Texas. It shouldn't be Texas. Recruiting better, developing better, and this is it's a combination of both. Um, tech, TCU, Blacklock, good value on the second round for Houston. Gladney, maybe a tick high for Minnesota in round one, but really like his chances of helping. Uh, Jalen Rager maybe a little bit higher for Philadelphia, put the speed, the speed, the speed. Lucas Nang of the Chiefs has got a real chance to make that squad. And then um Vernon Scott, not sure that he's gonna make the Packers, but decent value in the seventh round. Texas Tech, Jordan Brooks. They think um they've got a, uh, a- another Bobby right there. little high there, but put great range, break on the ball and coverage. Um Broderick Washington, I thought, was really good value in the fifth round. He could be a backup rotation guy. West Virginia Colton McKivitz, I thought was you know a big physical, uh, lengthy blocker, and the fifth round was pretty good value. and then Kenny Robinson, um, Caroline in the fifth round, uh, less um, uh, less encouraged by him making uh, the roster. So that's the list of the 21 guys that were drafted. Um, within the Big 12 uh, this year. Kind of looking, make sure I don't miss anybody. haven't done this on each of the shows, but I want to make sure we recognize folks within the region and kind of going around. um, uh, Certainly Josh Jones of Houston, uh, congrats to him. I thought that was really good value um, uh, for him, and I think that he certainly – um, can be a really good fit for, um, the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, which is where he went really good feat as a pass protector. I'm trying to think who else let's see in conference USA level, uh, where things might have played out, um, uh, outside of Houston, who else might be, uh, in the range, um, you know, I know Louisiana Tech had a couple of kids. Emmick Robinson was a was a good one as well. Um, but yeah, some some obviously uh, Josh Jones in Houston is the main guy that uh, I think needs to be mentioned uh, outside the region or in the region, but outside the conference. So, uh, congrats uh, to him as uh, well in Houston program, um, folks. Reminder of a couple of things. Uh, We're going to be back tomorrow, break down Pac-12 football and beyond, and we'll get into more of the the kind of look at the Pac-12 and the West Coast and how they fare in the draft and uh, get into um, the latest news around the country. Uh, What's ahead? Yeah, we'll continue to look at players and break down rosters and give you little news notes and nuggets on players coming back, uh, maybe how players are doing, well, I should say, how they would be doing in some OTAs in the NFL that are from your school. Not going to have that so much, but any news coming out of that we'll we'll have for you in some of the virtual teachings and certainly a lot of recruiting information. So we've got a lot to prepare you for, breakdowns of rosters, uh, recruiting boards. we got it all for you at LandryFootball.com, and we'll be touching on it here. So you want to make sure that you check it out, LandryFootball.com. Um, Take advantage of the scouting season offer. Uh, it'll get you up to date on all the NFL, all the college information, all year round. And uh, so we are not slowing down one bit. Got so much in the next phase to get into. We want to make sure that you are uh, up to speed on everything with your finances. And give a call, give a text today to our great friends at 401k Generation, Eddie Rojas and his crew, are the experts in financial planning. Make sure that you get your financial checkup today by going uh, to 401k Generation, one 998 5879 Give them a call. Give them a text. Learn about what they do. They are the pros um, in financial planning, and you want to make sure that you're on board with them. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, make sure you flip on over to the Pro Football Show as we will talk, uh, continue to recap uh, the draft division by v- division and uh, get into all the latest news and notes around the league. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you over on the football show, everybody.
0: 18 plus. 18 plus.